This is WRAL News, your number one source for local news. As the state issues new testing guidelines for medical facilities, the president takes an aggressive move in the race to find a vaccine for COVID-19. Good evening, I'm Gerald Owens. And I'm Deborah Morgan. Thank you for joining us. New analysis this half hour over the big national story today. Is a vaccine possible by the end of the year? And what are the hurdles? And is phase two a reality in North Carolina one week from today? Live reaction and analysis from one of the state's leading researchers working to slow the spread. Also new at 7 o'clock, courts in North Carolina after the outbreak. As they start to reopen next month, some things will likely never go back to normal. WRL's Amanda Lamb shows you what's in the works. But we start tonight with the effort to keep food supply lines running while a growing number of workers test positive. WRL's Joe Fisher shows us it's a workforce made up of immigrants who advocates say must choose between a paycheck and their safety. It is risky for us. Concerned about adequate PPE and infecting her family. We're afraid because of this disease. This undocumented worker who doesn't want to be identified gets no paid sick time and is disqualified from any government help. And so we can't miss work. The folks that are working in these industries do not have um, a nest egg. Dr. Angela Cece says meat and poultry plants rely heavily on undocumented workers. It's so hard for workers to gain any power um, to demand um, higher wages, better working conditions, the right to sick pay. At plants in North Carolina, the number of COVID-19 cases has tripled in three weeks from 479 cases to 1,675 cases at 26 plants. At Smithfield Foods in Tar Heel, 49 new cases in the last week brings the total to 125, but the number is likely higher with many health departments not releasing totals by employer. Workers have a right to know and the rest of us have a right to know. Stacey says packers work in close and cold conditions and are scared to speak out. Oftentimes that's when the management of this company discovers someone's documentation status. Many companies, including Smithfield Foods, say they do offer paid sick time and never knowingly hire undocumented immigrants. Stacey says improvements like barriers on the production line can't stop the virus. With no federal protection, she fears more infected workers will soon be off the job and out of a job. What they need is the government to set a level playing field for all the corporations that are in this industry so they all play by the same rules. I'm Joe Fisher, WRAL News. The Department of Agriculture estimates meat and poultry production is down 35% because of workers who are sick or voluntarily staying at home. Operation Warp Speed aims to develop a vaccine by the end of the year. Even the former GlaxoSmithKline executive picked to lead the initiative acknowledge the challenge of this becoming a reality. Joining us now to talk more about this initiative is Dr. Rachel Roper, Associate Professor, Professor of Microbiology and Immunology at ECU's Brody School of Medicine. Dr. Roper, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So Dr. Roper, Roper we often hear 12 to 18 months is an ambitious goal. Is by the end of the year a realistic goal for a COVID-19 vaccine? Wow, that's a, that's a big goal, all right. I think it's an excellent idea to assemble a, a team of scientists and pharmaceutical companies to accelerate, you know, to accelerate a vaccine initiative. Um, we already have vaccines. In fact, we have about 100, uh, but we have three problems. One, we don't know if they're safe. 
Two, we don't know if they're effective. And three, we have to produce enough for about 330 million Americans. So that's a tall order. I think what they're planning to do is start making manufacturing vaccines now and we'll hope that they're safe and effective. That's the only way it would be possible to have vaccines ready. Um, it, it seems like a, a stretch. Do you know of any other vaccines developed in the past in such a short amount of time under this type of pressure? <laughs> no, but I mean, we already have a vaccine in humans right now. We've got phase one clinical trials already going in the U.S. that started in March. Um, so, you know, you can inject something into humans and, and hope that it's safe. Um, and then to test for efficacy, you either have to wait over time for a natural challenge, natural exposure to the virus, or you would have to intentionally infect people. Um, and that's a big ethical concern. So I'm not sure they're going to do that. So, I mean, you can inject something into people, but the question is, are you going to know if it's safe and are you going to know if it's effective? What's a normal um, so, timeline for a vaccine? Yeah, that's really, really hard to say. The, the fastest one I recently is the Ebola vaccine. Um, you know, Ebola was so deadly, so dangerous and so infectious um, that, you know, the U.S. government rolled out a vaccine for it pretty quickly and used it in the healthcare workers that were under extreme risk of catching the disease. And it did turn out to be effective. Um, but there, whatever vaccine there is, there's usually a decade or more of underlying research. Um, and we have that with this new COVID-19, the SARS coronavirus 2, because we had SARS coronavirus 1 back in 2003. So we do have a lot of vaccine information from that already. Um, my concern is that those vaccine studies, and I oversaw the vac vaccine trials in, in ferrets, a very good lung respiratory model is that our vaccines were not very protective against SARS coronavirus 1. Um, we were able to get antibodies, we were able to induce T lymphocyte responses um, in the animals, but the protection was disappointing. I mean, we did get some protection, but the coronaviruses are so virulent, I'm, I'm worried that we're gonna have trouble getting a vaccine that's really effective. Oh, that is but concerning. Even if you have even if you have some protection, it's a lot better than none, right? Like our influenza vaccines don't protect completely, but they will protect largely if they come from hospitalization and death. So even a vaccine that gives some protection would be good to have. Let's shift gears um, briefly and talk about the testing guidance changes that the state laid out today. Based on the data that we're all seeing and what's driving the policy decisions, do you think that we could successfully implement phase two of reopening one week from now? Yeah, it just depends on the data. You know, the more people that are careful and keeping distance and wearing masks, uh, you know, the lower the incidence will be and the more likely we can open up. I'm concerned that people don't seem to understand the importance of wearing masks. Um, someone could be infected and when just talking or breathing, they're spewing virus everywhere. So if everyone doesn't wear masks, they could really contaminate uh, the area that they're in and other people. And then wearing the mask yourself will provide some protection for you as well. It's not as good as an N95 mask that healthcare professionals need, but any mask will give you some protection. It's really important to wear them and to keep six feet away from other people. Thank you for that message. I know the state is also trying to say to wash your hands very often too. So Dr. Rachel yes. Roper with the Brody School of Medicine at ECU, thank you so much for your time, for your expertise and your insight. Thank you.
A very compelling interview there. And we are a little more than three months away from one of the biggest events ever to come to North Carolina, the Republican National Convention. Up next, our David Crabtree asked the president and CEO of the RNC the question we all want answered. How is this going to happen? Plus, the changing courtroom as North Carolina begins to reopen. From security screenings to jury selection, we have an early idea of what things will look like after the outbreak. You're watching coverage you can count on with WRAL News. Tomorrow marks 100 days until the Republican National Convention. Charlotte is hosting the four-day event the week of August 24th, with the president expected to officially accept the nomination on Thursday, August 27th. Today, David Crabtree had the chance to speak with those running the convention who are moving forward. Not only are they confident, they're excited. Organizers telling me they are fully prepared and feel like North Carolina will be the example for economic recovery on the national stage. 100 days out and it's full steam ahead for the Republicans as they renominate Donald Trump later this summer. We are very excited about Charlotte. We're excited about North Carolina. We've been working a year. We've been ahead of our planning. Uh, and, you know, we... Uh, are excited to be the first and foremost people uh, to gather a big event in the United States. So we hold that responsibility uh, very dearly and, and highly in our, in our hearts and our mind. President and CEO of the 2020 Republican National Convention, Marsha Kelly, says the priority in this planning is adapting to a pandemic. Every convention basically has some sort of, um, you know, area where we have some adaptability. We need to be agile. Uh, we need to be good stewards of the convention. Uh, we have to make sure the safety and health of everyone is fine. At the same time, we're going to make sure that the American tradition of nominating a, uh, a candidate for a nominee for presidency is, is going to go through. So we have to balance all those. And luckily for us, we've had uh, a lot of experience uh, for different conventions. Her team recently hired a doctor to come on as a senior advisor. Dr. Jeffrey Runge has 35 years of experience in emergency medicine and government advising. And while we don't know what plans look like for the Republicans, Kelly says public health safety is and will be a priority and is something all leaders, including Charlotte's Democratic mayor and Governor Roy Cooper, can agree on. Look, they're very supportive. They want to, you know, uh, have a very safe convention. Uh, and first and foremost, as, as far as the citizens go, they want to make sure that North Carolina is, is safe. Um, but we all have the same goals in mind. We want to do a convention that will show off North Carolina. And I asked if we might get a preview of what might be unveiled on Thursday night, the night the president would make an acceptance speech. She didn't fall for that, however, says the president is involved in the process and recently looked over a stage design. As we move closer to August, we do expect to learn more about the specifics when it comes to health guidelines. The Democratic National Convention in Milwaukee is still on scheduled for the week before August 17th through August 20th. But this week, the DNC committee approved rules which permit several key votes to be done virtually. The party chairman calls it an important first step toward giving the convention team maximum flexibility.
Normal court functions in our state aren't expected to resume until June at the earliest, but even then, things will look and feel very differently in your local courthouse. WRL's Amanda Lamb talked to the heads of the judicial system in Wake County to see what they have planned. All rise. While a limited number of hearings are taking place in the Wake County court system. Civil hearings, entirely 100% are remote uh, hearings using a video platform. Uh, everyone is participating, the attorneys, the parties, even spectators. It's anything but business as usual. We want to get guidance on what is the safest way to proceed. Court officials are working on a plan along with Wake County leaders to figure out how to safely fully reopen their two busy courthouses. It'll be things like limiting the number of people in the courtroom um, and you know, screening people as they come in, uh, trying to encourage people to wear protective, personal protective equipment. Judges say the biggest challenge is scheduling cases in a way that cuts down on the number of people in a courtroom at one time. I think what you'll see in June is a much, is a very effective use of the space that we have available in Wake County to just simply spread people out and spread our functions out into a number of different courtrooms. Signs will be posted to make the rules clear. It will be as detailed as stickers on the pews in the courtroom so that people know sit here, sit here, sit here so that they keep a safe distance apart. We want to make sure that the citizens are, are comfortable and confident that we have uh, their best interest in mind too. Amanda Lamb, WRAL News, Raleigh. One of the biggest concerns is how to handle jury trials. Judge Ridgway says they are, they are working on a plan to space jurors out, both in jury selection and during the trial. But it'll likely be later in the summer before that plan is in place and ready to go. Thanking our frontline workers, up next, our neighborhood heroes. A popular Raleigh bar and restaurant steps in thanks to your help. And checking in on conditions in Chapel Hill, what WRL video blogger Dr. Der Dr. Gary Burke says he is concerned about with reopening. More community support today for our frontline workers. Thanks in part to your donations, Raleigh Beer Garden and Mix 101.5 delivered 141 worker, or meals to workers at Wake Med. Volunteers say it was a special opportunity to give back. It was incredible. We weren't sure how the process was going to go. We thought it might be a drop off and go. So to be able to socially distance, interact with them, and thank them for what they're doing and feed them. It was a really great opportunity. This time last night, we were following the bandits for their frontline flyover, a 30-minute special you saw right here on WREL. Dr. Gary Burke, a regular video blog contributor for WREL, saw the tribute as he was headed into work at UNC. Here's his update on how the ER is changing there, an update you will only see on WREL. Before coming into shift, I want to give another big thanks to the community. Um, it was really cool this evening before coming into shift. Got to watch the banded flight team do a flyover uh, over the hospital in Chapel Hill. Um, I know they flew over a bunch of other hospitals in the Triangle area. And just those little things of support are huge. Um, actually, at Chapel Hill, uh, I know that there's individuals that will play music kind of at the shift change time. 
uh, and it's just kind of big morale boosters. But for me this evening, it was really cool to see the planes fly over, remind me that the community is behind us uh, before I know I'm going into work. Um, at work, again, it's just getting used to that new normal now. Everyone's in mask. Uh, patients don't have as many uh, visitors with them. Uh, just kind of that new mentality, that new normal. Um, I've kind of settled in pretty well to it, knowing that every patient we see, the first thing that's popping into our mind uh, is whether they have COVID-19 or not, um, whether we need to test them for it or not. Um, in terms of the patients we're seeing, we're seeing a steady uh, number of patients with COVID-19, but we haven't seen a severe increase uh, in the number of patients with it, uh, which has been good for the healthcare system because you know we haven't been overrun. We still have plenty of resources. Um, the other good thing is we're starting to see an increase back a little bit in our volume of patients coming to the emergency department. I think that's overall good because we know that there's people out there that need to seek medical uh, evaluation and need uh, help. Um, and so I'm glad that they're beginning to feel safe, recognizing that the hospital and the emergency departments are ready um, and a safe place to see these patients. Again, kind of at our Hillsborough campus, it's a much smaller emergency department. Um, we currently have kind of 12 beds there, um, and we have a respiratory side and a non-respiratory side to keep kind of the patients differentiated. At Chapel Hill, uh, we have a respiratory unit where we see the uh, patients that are under suspicion for COVID-19, and then we have the other part of the emergency department, kind of where the other population of patients go. Um, but even with that, uh, you know, we're making sure to maintain social distancing amongst the nurses, the providers, uh, the patients, um, anything to just keep us all safe. Great update. And if you missed the frontline flyover last night, we have the full video from Sky 5's Journey with the Bandits on WRL.com. That was a wonderful evening. And be sure to watch us uh, this weekend as America honors the high school graduating class of 2020. Former President Barack Obama is among the high-profile names addressing this year's seniors. The full special airs tomorrow night at 8 o'clock right here on WRAL and over on Fox 50. Thank you for watching our News at 7. Tonight on our News at 10 on Fox 50 and 11 on WRAL, a one-on-one -on -one with Dr. Mandy Cohen about the new state coronavirus testing guidelines. Have a great night, everyone.